I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, the Old Testament book, chapter 6. As we conclude our series that we've been working through in the season of Lent with Daniel chapters 1 to 6. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are so grateful for your love and your grace. We are grateful for the privilege of studying your holy word. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It sounds like something you would see in a movie. As a matter of fact, early this morning, Jack Wilson and I were, were talking about some books that he had been reading and, and then the movies that he watches at the end of reading the books. And, well, this, just, this would be a great movie. Daniel. It's a story of conspiracy. It's a story of how evil is going against good. It's a, it's a story of a good man, of actually a great man of God. A man who seeks to be faithful in so many ways and, and do his job as best he can for the king while at the same time loving his God with all of his heart. And then there's this group of people who are jealous and a people who, who plot to bring him down. And so they, they set up the plan, they lay the trap. And here we go. What happens next? Daniel. You know, remember as we've been reading over the last few weeks that Babylon had come in and taken over the northern kingdom of Israel and conquered the southern kingdom of Judah and in the midst captured the city of God, Jerusalem, the holy city, the promised land, the place where God had brought the people in and, and where the temple had been built so that the people of God would know that God was in their midst. The temple itself had been destroyed. And the vessels that had been consecrated to the worship of God had now been taken in and, and taken throughout the kingdom, used by the king, and, and, and toasted to foreign gods. It's a tough time to be faithful in such an unfaithful world. And now, now the Persians had conquered the Babylonians. So there's a new empire. A new king, a new kingdom, and, and a new king by the name of Darius, who is, is the Persian king. But Daniel, Daniel has done okay. You might remember early in the book of Daniel, he interprets the, the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's elevated up and, and given prestige and power. Well, then when he interprets the handwriting on the wall for Belshazzar, he's, he's again elevated and lifted up. And, well, now Darius, the king, has elevated him even higher. Darius, when you look at history, has, has been known as, as one who's an organizer. He takes this whole big Persian empire, divides it up into subsections, Puts people over each of the various sections. Daniel says about 120 of these sections are set up. And then he created three presidents that would be over the various regions. And believe it or not, Daniel was chosen to be one of them. The reason that may be hard to believe, Daniel's one of the exiles. Daniel's not Persian. He, he's, he's one of the Jews. He's one of the conquered people and from the conquered land that had been brought in and, and groomed to serve in the king's court, but not like this. 
Daniel was one of the three presidents. He distinguished himself. If you read the beginning of this chapter, and, and you'll see that he had an excellent spirit about him. He worked hard. He was honest. He was just. He had the highest of ethics and, and sought to be everything that God had called him to be while working as hard and honestly as he could for the king to the point that King Darius decided, you know, I think I'm going to make Daniel president over the whole thing. Well, you can imagine how well that went over. When, when some of the others heard, did, did you hear? I heard that someone said that they heard that, that the, the, the king was going to set Daniel up over, up over all of us. Now, how could he do that? I mean, can you believe this? I mean, can you believe that the king would dare take one of those Jews, one of those exiles, one of those immigrants, and bring them in here, and, and then eventually put them over top of us. I mean, he's not Persian. So how in the world would, would he dare do that? We're going to have to do something. All right, guys, we need to do something. We need to come up with a plan. Well, they got together with all these leaders to try to find a plan to come against Daniel, but the only problem was Daniel was a good man. He was honest. He was just. He was doing a good job. He, the scripture says there was no negligence and there was no corruption. So they were having a hard time coming up with something against Daniel. I mean, this is pretty tough. I mean, Daniel is a, he is loyal to the king. and He's a man of God. He's loyal to the king. He's a man of God. He's loyal to the king. And he's a man of God. Ah, that's it. That's it. What we need to do is figure out how to get Daniel's loyalty to the king go up against his loyalty to God. And you know Daniel. Daniel is so faithful to God that he'll choose God over everything else. That's it. We need to figure out a way to get Daniel up against the king. So they devise a plan. And in verse 7, they, they come up to the king and, and they go, O king Darius, long live the king. May you live forever, which was the greeting that you would offer to a king. And, and then they play to his ego. It's not like every king doesn't have an ego. And, and, and so, you know, they start playing to his ego and go, O king, you're awesome. You are the great king. I tell you, we were just talking about it the other day. There's a group of us at the coffee shop. We were around that corner table near the corner table over to the side where people sit. You know, we were sitting over there just having a conversation just the other day. And we were talking about how great you are. You're an amazing king. You're, you, you do everything so well. As a matter of fact, we were talking about how there'll never be another king like you. That you'll go down in history of being the king of kings. I mean, we just think you're incredible. And we had this idea. And, and I want you to know we were unanimous in it. I mean, we've talked to all the presidents, which is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. You know why we know it's a lie? Because Daniel was one of the presidents. You know Daniel never go along with this. So they're not being honest with the king. They're just kind of laying a trap for the king. So in order to get Daniel, we've got to first trap the king. So, so now that you know, they're, they're having this conversation, we've talked about all the presidents, the governors, the people, I mean, the counselors. I mean, everybody that we've talked to thinks this is a great idea, and here's the idea. I mean, because it's a great idea. I think you're going to love the idea. We think that for the next 30 days, you should pass an edict that if anybody worships anybody else, human or divine, 
besides you, the dead be thrown into a den of lions. We think we ought to call this King Darius month. We just think that you just set aside the whole month just for you. What do you think? And the king's going, oh, stop. I mean, keep going, but stop. And then finally, the king goes, you know, it sounds like a great idea. I'm honored. I'm honored. Let's, let's do it. And he declares the edict and signs it. And the law was, which the conspirators knew, once the king signs an edict, it can't be undone even by the king. Verse 10, will you join me? Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in the upper room open toward Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and to praise him just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who praised anyone, divine or human, within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? And the king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king, Well, Daniel, one of the exiles from Jude, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict that you have signed. But, but he is saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel. And until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, No, O king. That it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you faithfully to serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with a signet. And with the signet of his Lord, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, Oh, Daniel! Daniel! Servant of the living God! Has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel then said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I've done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad. And commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no kind of harm was found on him. Because he had trusted in his God. The king gave a command. And those who had accused Daniel. Were brought and thrown into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den. The lions overpowered them. And broke all their bones into pieces. The king Darius wrote. To all peoples and nations of every language. Throughout the whole world. May you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree 
that in all my royal dominion people should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Daniel doesn't hesitate. I mean, he knew, he knew about the decree. He was one of the presidents. He had, he had received it directly from the king himself. Here's the decree. Over the next 30 days, if anybody worships anybody, divine or human, other than the king himself, we thrown into a den of lions. And yet, Daniel is faithful to his God. He goes into the privacy of his home and he prays. And the book of Daniel makes it clear just as he had done before. And, and the point of that is he's not trying to flaunt it. And he's not trying to disparage the king that he's worked for all these years. He's not trying to, 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 to make a mockery of the king. He didn't go out to the city gates and go, Hear ye, hear ye. You heard what the king has said, but I will not bow before the king. I will only worship. He didn't try to make a name for himself. He went and did what he had always done. He just wanted to be faithful to God. And he goes into the upper room of his home and he opens his window toward Jerusalem. During the exile, it was, it was a common practice that, that people would orient toward Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel today, many of the synagogues, when you, if you look out where the doorway would be, you'll be facing toward Jerusalem because, well, that was the holy city of God. It, it was a reminder of God's faithfulness. It was a reminder of God's deliverance out of Egypt. And maybe God will deliver us now once again. And, and to face toward Jerusalem where the, the temple of God had been built where the presence of God was believed to be among people that, well, if you prayed in that direction, it was just a, it was a, it was a sign of hope. It was a sign of faith to pray facing toward the city of God, the temple of God. And he gets on his knees and, and he prays three times. Although it wasn't commanded in the law, we see in the Psalms and some of the other scriptures that that the, that the devout people of God would pray to God morning, noon, and night. Praying to God. And he does, just like he had always done it. But now the conspirators are sitting outside the window looking in because they knew. They knew. Daniel's allegiance to God or his allegiance to anyone else or anything else, God will win out every time for Daniel. Now, I would love for that to be a thought that people have about me. God or anything else, Terry's going with God. And wouldn't that for all of us be the dream that we want for even our enemies to know, you know, they are so faithful that no matter what it is, if it's a choice between anything and God, they'll go with God. And so they watch through the window and then they run to the king and they went hey did king didn't you say and, and i share with you when we read chapter three with shadrach meshach and abednego remember the story that, that that again the conspirators run to the king but that time it was nebuchadnezzar anytime somebody comes running up to you and goes, now didn't you say and they start putting your words back in your mouth it's not going to be pretty and our children learn that too i mean how many times have your kids come up and go 
Then you say, and you know you're stuck. You're going to be stuck. And here they come up to the king and they go, didn't you say? And they review the edict and he goes, yes, and it stands true. And they went, well, great. Because Daniel, one of the exiles, you see the prejudice and the hatred? Wasn't just Daniel, but Daniel, one of those Jews, one of those exiles, one of those people you brought in here or that the Babylonians brought in here. Well, he pays no attention to you. Well, that's not true. I mean, Daniel had been doing that. The scripture told us as, as he always had. He was, he was praying the same way before the edict that he did after the edict. It had nothing to do with ignoring the king. It had nothing to do with flaunting the king. It had nothing to do with not being loyal to the king. They knew that. But here's the thing. We human beings do not let the truth get in the way of a good story. And if we don't know the whole story or we want to embellish the story, we have a tendency to be able to build it up. It happens in the church too, but I mean, it happens in the world. And so they start trying to flaunt it and go, you know, he doesn't pay a bit, bit of attention to you. I mean, King, he just ignored you. And the, that edict that you wrote didn't mean a thing to him. I mean, he just acted like it never happened. And King Darius, it's like a gut punch to him. He... He respected Daniel. And he was determined. Did you catch that he spent a whole day trying to figure out how to get out of his own mess? He spent a whole day trying to figure out how to deliver Daniel, how to rescue him from this punishment. But did you see what the conspirators did? Oh, and old king, before you think of anything, you just need to remember, according to the law, you cannot change your mind. You know, they trapped the king in order to go after Daniel. And I just wonder if that's not why the punishment that you see at the end seems a little bit on the extreme side. But I think the king is pretty upset that you used me to do your dirty work against him. You used me to do your dirty work against him. And so he brings Daniel in without a choice and... And as Daniel's being lowered into the den, he goes, may your God. Now, this is interesting because he's a Persian king with Persian gods. But even the king knew about Daniel's faithfulness. And he goes, may your God deliver you. It's not like Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3 who says before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the furnace. That king said, you know, let's just see whose God's able to pull you out of my hands. King Darius is praying, I pray your God can deliver you. I pray your God can deliver you out of my hands. And Daniel's placed down into the pit, the den, the cave, and the stone is placed over it. Now, and there are some scholars who go, wow, this, this is a foreshadowing of what happens to Jesus because there's a conspiracy, there's a tomb, there's a stone rolled in front of it. And there's a sign by the king that nothing's to change it. That's why we have a soldier outside. And then early the next morning, people are coming to try to see what's going on. So early the next morning, the king himself comes running. He wasn't able to sleep all night, wasn't able to eat all night. And so he comes running back to the den and, and he cries out in desperation. But what are the odds? I mean, what are the odds? The king knows. I mean, Daniel's in a den of lions. What are the odds? That he's still alive, but in desperation and in anxiety, the scripture says, he cries out, Daniel, 
Daniel, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you? I mean, he prayed that he, he would and could. Has he, by, by chance, by any slim chance? And Daniel then cries out, O king, live forever. And the king goes, And Daniel says, My God sent an angel to shut up the mouths of the lions. My God never abandoned me. He was with me the whole time. The whole time. I mean, you, you remember back in chapter 3 with the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar goes, Didn't we throw three people in there? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? But I, I see four, and, and one of them has the appearance as the Son of God. And and here, Daniel goes, I was never alone. God sent an angel. God was with me all night long. My God will never abandon me. The king is elated and pulls him out and sees that there's no harm. Then he calls for those who conspired against Daniel and had trapped the king into their conspiracy and has them thrown into the den of lions. They're immediately attacked and and then the king passes a decree. Now this is the God we want to worship. You know, Daniel reminds us, and we've been looking over the last several weeks, that it is just not easy to be faithful in an unfaithful world. It would have been a whole lot easier for Daniel just to have compromised. And I would bet, maybe wrong, that there had been some conversation among the people of God going, okay, it's only 30 days. It's only 30 days. And I, I suggest we don't even make a big deal out of this. We just, if, if we try to do anything, it's not going to be pretty. So it's only 30 days, and I think for 30 days we can do it. And Daniel could have just said to himself, you know what, over the next 30 days, I'm just going to say a silent prayer to myself. I won't make a big deal about it, but I'll just say a silent prayer. I won't even move my lips. And, and I'll just, I'm just going to try to fit in. Right, we'll just let it go because it's only 30 days, and, and we'll just compromise. We'll give in. And, and I think that's the temptation that, that, that so many of us, we feel. And it's, it's what happens, I think, in the church and so much of the world today is, is that we go, you know what? There's, there's just not a lot we can do about it. So I think we just need to go along with it. Just, just don't, don't make waves. Maybe we'll be okay. But, but Daniel trusted in God. He had a faith in God and not only did he believe that his God was real, but he had faith in the faithfulness of God. He trusted that God would also be faithful. Not only was he committed to be faithful, but he knew my God will be faithful to me. That's why I'm faithful to God is because God will be faithful to me first. And no matter how powerful the forces of evil may seem against us and against Daniel, and, and no matter how many people it is to conspire, I mean, Daniel must have felt like the whole world was coming in against him. I mean, it's unanimous. This is what we do. They were all against him. How dare this guy be elevated? I mean, it just seemed like, like everybody was going up against Daniel, but Daniel remained faithful to God. No matter who all was against him, he had to trust that God would be faithful to him. Or how much power and might and evil or whatever might be against him, Daniel trusted 
Now, few of us fear that we're going to actually literally be lowered into a den of lions. But we do struggle with faithfulness because we, 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 don't, we want to know what people think about us. We, we, don't, we don't want people talking about us. We, we care about what other people think about us probably way too much. Man, we, give, we give other people so much power over our lives because we're more concerned about what they think about us than what we think about us. Or even what God thinks about us. And so it's, it's just so easy to want to give in. But, but Daniel realized, worship is not what I do, it's who I am. I'm, this is my God and I am, we are his people. I am his child, it's who I am. I can't compromise my being. And so Daniel was willing to hold strong. And what's, what's amazing is, is that even the conspirators knew about his faith. Daniel's a man of faith. Even the king knew. Did you catch the king's prayers? And did you see his faith grow? May your God be able to deliver you. Your God whom you faithfully serve. Did your God. I mean, he's, he's holding out some hope. I mean, it's not much, but there's some hope. Did your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you? And once he sees that Daniel's delivered, he goes, here's my edict. Now, this is, this is kind of neat because an edict of a king can't be revoked. And the first edict was, for the next 30 days, you'll worship me. What was his second edict? This is the one true God, and you'll worship him forever. This is the one true God. You know, God will be faithful to us even in the difficult times. If we seek to be faithful in an unfaithful world, what we need to remember is God is always faithful in the midst of an unfaithful world. And God will be faithful to us. And when I hear some of the things that are going on in our lives, when I look at this prayer list, we review it each Tuesday as we sit down together as, as a staff team and we, we look over the list and... And we hear what's going on in some of our lives and, and we go to the hospitals and we go to the homes and we spend time with you and we hear what's happening in your life. Sometimes it's just overwhelming. And if you feel like the world is crashing in on you, Daniel knew what that felt like. And sometimes we feel like the whole world is against us. That we just don't even stand a chance. That everything's crashing down around us. And, and that the weight on our shoulders and the things that we're carrying are just so heavy that, that there is just no way we can bear it. And we don't even see a way out. But Daniel reminds us, trust in God's faithfulness. Because being faithful in an unfaithful world, it's not only about us being faithful. God is always being faithful, even in an unfaithful world. And then our response is to be faithful in an unfaithful world. But to trust that God will never let us down. And that God will never leave you alone. And you'll either, God will either deliver you from or through whatever it is that's going on in your lives. But your God will be faithful. And our challenge is to be faithful to God in response. Will you pray with me?
God, there are things that happen in our lives that are out of our control. So then we just, we begin to feel like the world's crashing in around us. And we feel powerless. But we forget that you are all powerful. And and sometimes we are overwhelmed, but we realize that you are almighty. And, And so God, we pray that you would help us to trust in you. Help us to to learn from Daniel that our calling is to trust in your faithfulness and then to be faithful in an unfaithful world, to trust in you and to serve you and to to recognize that that being in a covenant with you where you are our God and we are your people, that's our identity, that's our being, it's who we are. It's not something that we can compromise, it's our essence. It's our character. It's our life. And so, God, we pray that that when the temptations come for us, just just to let it go, that instead we hang on. And to trust and know that whatever is happening in our lives, you will be there with us and for us. And you'll either deliver us from it or you'll get us through it. But either way, you are our God, and you are trustworthy and faithful, and we are your people. So help us, we pray, to be faithful as well. Well, Jesus, we have promised to serve you to the end. Amen. Number 396, oh Jesus, I have promised.